welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm here in my little room on Zoom with my co-hosts Emma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. How are you there? All right, yeah. It's nice to see your faces. It's nice to see your faces. It's nice to see the spring sunshine. It's nice to see pubs open. It's nice to see bookshops open. Have you been exploring any pubs or bookshops this week? I've been yeah, to, yeah. Not, I wouldn't say loads, but some. I've had a pint and a cocktail. But one thing I have been in is galleries. I went around galleries yesterday and it was crazy, A, being in the middle of town, which has completely changed even since Christmas in London, I mean. and um, But just great to go and see some art in person. And it was actually quite packed. It was, you know, packed is maybe an exaggeration. There were people there. <laughs> And it was just really <laughs> lovely to see some art. Really nice. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, anything's going to feel packed after being alone in our houses for so long. Exactly. It's like, oh, there's three people in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to feel like that. And you, Matt, you're, you've moved. You're up north now. Yeah, so we're discovering, like, brand new pubs. Like, pubs obviously being, like, a wonderful thing anyway, but we're discovering brand new ones. We went out for his daily walk yesterday. And we walked past one place and we couldn't resist going in. We said, well, we'll just go in for one pint. And we were there for about three hours. <laughs> uh, we ended up doing shop, shops and Sambuca and everything. But yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's lovely. There's hills. You don't realise London's very flat. But um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, and you've no. got to find your local, your special local pub. And it's going to take research. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll do that very uh, stringently, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on moving house in a pandemic. That is, that is, that must have been really tricky. Well done to you and to Maria. Cheers. Oh, cheers. So today's uh, show, what have we got in store? Well, I've got some exclusive readings, some ex some exciting new books. Um, as I said earlier, bookshops have, uh, have opened again this week, so I'm very excited about that. I'm buzzing to see photographs of bookshops open and bookshop windows, hashtag choose bookshops. So my section is going to be books, books, books. Even more Sounds books, good. books, books than it usually is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What about yourself, Rose? Basically, um, I found out about this exhibition um, called The Roaring Twenties, which was conceived in Zurich, Kunsthaus Zurich, and is now travelling to Guggenheim Bilbao. And they're kind of taking a look at a lot of the progressive things that happened in the 20s, which maybe we forget about, or obviously the, a lot of stuff happened after the 1920s. And so it's kind of re-examining that and looking at everything from the body and dance and people like Josephine Baker and looking at kind of movement and sex and gender to just um, art and um, visual art and performance and kind of all the things that changed around that time, including kind of things like um, gender roles and fashion linked to that kind of fashion, like trousers for women and and underwear that didn't kill you <laughs> and things like that. So that's been, that was really great. I chatted to them earlier. Um, and also I'm doing a run through of shows that I saw yesterday and some things that other people can check out in London if they so choose, because as we were talking about earlier, galleries are now open. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, very um, exciting. 
Cool. I've got some exclusive recordings from poets who've just published collections. Uh, I've got my usual roundup of things that are going on. And then also I'm looking at how the poetry community has uh, embraced like the international scene and how loads of poets are doing guest slots at countries abroad and stuff like that and how it's really come together. But also looking at the translation row that surrounded Amanda Gorman's poem. Uh, uh, so looking at the positives and the negatives of it. So yeah, plenty to go at. Interesting. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're going out on a Sunday, so should we open the show with a Sunday, Sunday song yes. for a Sunday, Sunday show? Cool.
Sunday best Mother's tired, she needs a rest The kids are playing up downstairs Sister's sighing in her sleep Brother's got a date to keep He can't hang around Our house, it has a crowd There's always something happening And it's usually quite loud Our mum, she's so house proud Nothing ever slows her down And a mess is not allowed Our house In the middle of our street Our house In the middle of our Gets up late for work Mother has to earn his shirt Then she sends the kids to school Sees them off with a small kiss She's the one they're going to miss in lots of ways Soho radio show for art, culture, books, poetry and activism. My name's Matt Abbott, I'm a poet and activist from Wakefield and my co-hosts are poet, author and activist Selena Godden and arts journalist Amma Rose Abrams. I'm going to kick off my section as always with my roundup from the world of spoken word poetry. Five events, five bits of content and then five books for you to get involved in. Going to start off with the events. So first up, Tomorrow evening, Virtual Verbose. Uh, this is a regular event hosted by Verbose, which is a Manchester-based night in the normal world. Uh, it's a really vibrant and warm event. Uh, you can get free tickets or you can also choose to pay £2 as a donation to join the event. The headliners for this month's event are Natalie Ann Holborough and Zena Barry. And there's always a great selection of open mic as well. So that's from 8 until 9.30pm tomorrow. You get your tickets through Eventbrite and it's Virtual Verbose, uh, which is a great event. The following day, an event in the US, so it's called Sisters in Struggle and Song. It's at noon, our time, BST, and it's free to attend. And it's celebrating the publication of a book called African American Poetry, 250 Years of Struggle and Song. 
uh, which is being published by the Library of America. It's going to feature readings by New York-based poets, including Mariposa Fernandez, Latasha N. Nevada Diggs, and Patricia Spears-Jones. Uh, it looks absolutely wonderful. So that's called Sisters in Struggle and Song, uh, being hosted by the Library of America. On Sunday the 25th, so next Sunday, uh, Still I Rise, Poetry and Resistance, which is part of Bristol Poetry Festival. So on last month's show, I mentioned Bristol Poetry Festival, but at the time, the lineup hadn't been announced yet. And it has been announced now, and it's absolutely phenomenal. So Bristol Poetry Festival, a.k.a. Lyra, uh, a full range of events which are already taking place. This one, tickets start at £5.00. Sunday the 25th at 7pm and the four feature artists are Sahima Manzur Khan, Vanessa Kisule, Travis Alabanza and Sophia Camaria Kinshasa, which is an incredible lineup. So you've got to get involved in that. Uh, on Wednesday the 28th, so the following Wednesday, Front Room Poetry celebrate one year of their virtual Front Room Poetry events. That's BD Producing Hub who, who put that on. Wednesday the 28th at 7.30pm, tickets are free. The headliner this time round is Mike Gary, the legendary Mike Gary. And there's open mic hosted by Kirsty Taylor as well. So that's always an event worth attending. And then finally, on Wednesday the 5th of May, if you want to get involved and do a bit of writing yourself, uh, Write Out Loud are hosting a poetry masterclass with Saila Katebi as the guest tutor. Uh, this is for poets who are earlier in their writing careers. So with Write Out Loud have been doing some masterclasses as well. This is workshops for people who are slightly uh, earlier in their writing careers. Uh, tickets are priced at £9, £12 or £15 uh, and it's from 6.30 to 8pm on Wednesday the 5th of May. So they're my five events that I wanted to roar about this month. In terms of content, there was a great article in the LA Times which interviewed five poets currently based in LA uh, talking about how COVID impacted their world and impacted on their practice. It includes poets Janice Miller and Yasika Salgado. It's a really, really fascinating insight into LA's poetry scene and also just how it's impacted on these five artists. Uh, Kevin P. Gilday, he produced a one-off special of his podcast called Royal Flushed in the wake of, uh, you know, the death of Prince Philip and the utter dominance of the news. I thought it was really funny. It's a bit like the alternative Queen's Speech vibe. It was really great from Kevin P. Gilday. That should be available wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, a recent Insta session, Nims and Fugs Insta session with Penny Pepper is well worth watching. So Penny Pepper, uh, Penny Pepper is an acclaimed author, poet, performer and disabled activist. And her insight into the prejudice that she faces as, as a disabled author uh, was, was really fascinating. And I found it really shocking, to be honest. And Penny also talks about being a punk, like an original era punk. Um, so it's just a great insight into publishing and DIY and prejudice and identity and all kinds of things like that. NY Times, uh, the New York Times, they uh, recently produced a column written by Margaret Renkel called Thank God for the Poets. And it was just a really great piece on how poetry is so important nowadays and how it's become even more important over the last few few years or so. So yeah, that's uh, in the New York Times. And then finally, Zena Edwards on the Apples and Snakes blog. Uh, it's a blog called Comfortable with the Uncomfortable and it's sort of like a hybrid of a blog and an interview with Zena Edwards, who's always worth hearing from, of course. And then finally, the five books that I want to roar about. Charlotte Lunn, her debut collection Metamorphosis is being published by Verve Poetry Press next month. Luke Kennard with notes on the sonnets, that's being published by Pend in the Margins next week. Lisa Lux with Fetch Your Mother's Heart, that's being published by Outspoken Press next month. 
Bridget Hart, uh, they've got a collection called Chewing Gum, which is about Greece. Uh, that's been published in October. I don't have any more details yet, but it's something to look out for. And if you're not following Bridget Hart already, you definitely should do. They are a wonderful poet. And then finally, Rob G with The Day My Head Exploded, which is out now on Burning Eye Books. So that is my roundup from the world of spoken word poetry. And now we're going to have a tune on the theme of a Sunday because we are for once, one time and one time only broadcasting on a Sunday. And this is The Small Faces with Lazy Sunday Afternoon. Cheers. Wouldn't it be nice to get on with me neighbours? But they make it very clear they've got no room for ravers. joys of the pandemic has been embracing the lack of physical and geographical barriers. Whilst a lot of people have rejoiced at regular video calls with family members and friends dotted far afield, the poetry world has also embraced the opportunity with open arms. As a viewer, you can register for events being hosted in Los Angeles or Lagos or Lahore, 
And the same goes for performers too, like a once in a lifetime opportunity to take part in a New York poetry event or in a Berlin slam. I've even been in on the action myself. Like I've been delivering a regular poetry workshop through a school in Denmark. Um, I've recently been exchanging recordings with poets in Portugal and Lebanon. And even when a poet's reading in a language that you don't speak, you still get a real buzz from hearing how the words flow and how the emotion comes through. I recently did a gig with Nabila Ahmed, who read in Urdu and Pahari as well as English, and it was awesome. Uh, Manchester Poetry Library, they recently launched their Polish language poetry section, and they've also launched a Mother Tongue, Other Tongue competition, which bounced off UNESCO's International Mother Language Day in February. And it just goes to show that poetry is truly a global language, and it's an incredible feeling to now be part of a global community as well as a national one. However, this has also led to some major controversy. I'm pretty sure you've all seen, or at least heard about, Amanda Gorman's poem, The Hill We Climb. She performed it at Joe Biden's inauguration at the start of the year, and then at the Super Bowl a few weeks later. Earlier this week, she became the first ever poet to top USA Today's best-selling books list since the list first started in 1993. It's a wonderful achievement from a poet who's skyrocketed to global fame. And obviously, with that came the scramble to translate Gorman's poetry into different languages. I say scramble because this is where the controversy arose. In some countries, there was no issue whatsoever. But when Dutch author Marieke Lucas Rienveld was chosen in February, it started an absolute shitstorm, to be frank. Uh, Rienveld is a non-binary author whose debut novel, The Discomfort of Evening, saw them become the youngest ever winner of the International Booker Prize last year, aged 29. They're outspoken and political, particularly on gender equality and mental health. And they're also white, which is what caused the outcry. Clearly, Amanda Gorman's poem was seen as being a huge moment for the black community and spoke strongly about identity. But here's the thing, though. Rienveld was chosen as the translator by Gorman herself. A month later, Catalan translator Victor Obiols was dropped from the same task. And in Germany, publisher Hoffmann and Camp tried to evade criticism by appointing a trio of translators to demonstrate the poem's universal appeal. Um, Hadia Haruna Ilka, a black journalist, Kubro Gomosai, a German writer of Turkish descent, and also Uda Stratling, a white translator. This attracted rather than evaded criticism, and the debate goes on. Now, obviously, it's a complicated issue, and it's a tricky one to comment on, one thing that it does highlight is that there's clearly a lack of diversity amongst European translators, which unfortunately doesn't come as much of a surprise. But another aspect of it is that surely Amanda Gorman should be able to choose whoever she wants to translate her own work. As in, if she herself chooses a white translator, surely there's nothing more to say about it. I'm sure she thought long and hard about who she wanted to choose. On the flip side, though, at least this has highlighted the lack of diversity when it comes to translation. And it's increased the extent to which poet, the poetry world is discussing representation in general, which can only be a good thing in the long run. So yeah, one of the expected, sorry, one of the unexpected consequences of a pandemic, and hopefully, as I say, something that will benefit the poetry community long after the virus has disappeared. So I challenge you to attend at least one overseas poetry event between now and next month's show. I've highlighted one in particular, which is Sisters in Struggle and Song on Tuesday, and I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Poetry is a global language. Here's another tune. Sun 
comes the dawning It's just a restless feeling By my side Early dawning Sunday morning It's just the wasted years so close Child, the world's behind you There's always someone around you who will call It's nothing at all Sunday For the final part of my section, we're going to have some exclusive poetry recordings which have been sent in to me this last week. Uh, these are poets who've very recently published collections on some of my favourite indie presses. Um, up first, we're going to have some poetry from Amara Amaya, uh, whose pamphlet The Opposite of an Exodus was published by Bad Betty Press on the 24th of March. This is Amara Amaya with You Barely See Us. You Barely See Us by Amara Amaya. A congregation of black women sit down together and breathe. It is a completely unmusical kind of breathing. There is a hollowness that promises not to betray or bury them. So when they dump their things from shoulder to ground, there is no thump. They are existing, not living. This is where they come to swallow the guilt of being idle. Before they arrive, the ground unlatches itself as a newborn for the mother. Twisted roots detangle and soften beneath footsteps. Elder trees cower in, forbid the sky from gazing. The hyperactive stars break themselves to pieces just to see. 
They interrupt the gathering and a whole host of invisible eyes cut a warning. The stars burst in their giggling way, scattering themselves through the leaves. Typical children, an act of trespass yet they belong, fluttering their way to heavy laps. The breath expands into extended hum. It is an unmissable sight. The starlight's drooping neck, knees pressed into palms, pressed out from sacrum, relics digging their way back up to shed guilt, shed doubt, shed fear, drag themselves through silt to stand and dance, entirely boneless and oh. Voice is a useless thing sometimes. Breath is better. Thoughts echo in the oblong circle that they form, let dust cover us. Think of generations to come, how they will say that they wish to remain here, hidden. That was Amara Amaya with You Barely See Us. Also published on Bad Betty Press on the 24th of March was Joshua Judson's pamphlet, Gongoozler. Um, and Joshua has sent in this recording for us. This is Joshua Judson with Ode to Ash. Ode to Ash. Sometimes, a while after I flicked you off the end of my fag, part of you will land on the crook of skin that joins my thumb and index finger. Having been carried by the breeze up in little spirals and down again to land on me. And I want to jump up like our dog Libby when she was just a puppy, seeing her first snowfall, trying to catch each slow falling flake in her mouth. Sometimes, part of you will land in my coffee and I'll drink it anyway. Yes, sometimes it's raining and you fall quickly, encased in a drop of water and make a small mud pie on the brick of the front yard. Sometimes you collect in little piles at the foot of grandma's chair, or else bruise a small patch of sky above Branket crematorium. Other times, you'll land on my jumper or shirt, which are usually grey already. And when I try to wipe you away, you'll hang on and make a smudge, a line, as if I am a charcoal drawing of myself. And you are making space for the blank page underneath to represent light hitting me. Always, though, I think you land where you are meant to. Something about it makes me think of how an old, old song can hit you exactly where you are and fill you with light. And I think of Libby at rest in her box by the fireplace. We're going to leave Bad Betty in North London and go up the M1 to the West Midlands and we're going to hear a poem from Sean Y. Kyung. Um, Sean's collection, Sifkan Glasgow, was published by Verve Poetry Press on Thursday of this week and Sean has sent in a recording of a poem called Tomb Sweeping Day 2020 Glasgow. So this is Sean Y. Kyung with Tomb Sweeping Day 2020 Glasgow. Hi, I'm Sean Y. Kyung. This poem is called Tomb Sweeping Day 2020 Glasgow with thoughts of my gungung on my popo in England, uh, my gungung on my popo being my maternal grandparents. 
I tried to imagine once what it would be like. Living over half your life without being fluent in the local language. How much more intelligent you'd have to become at things such as social cues and body language, at reading expressions more times correctly than incorrectly if you failed. Well, then the consequences could be... And all my life I thought I had a slick imagination for that sort of thing. Even as a kid I would flick through the world atlas looking up faraway places and think about what life may be like over there. What kind of food they might eat. What languages they might speak. If there would be anyone there who'd look like me. And meanwhile down the road at the front desk of the spring bamboo, they would sit together at the same time each and every day in a calm silence, thinking about inconsequential things but doing so in their own language. And there would be no need for words. Because she knew that he had already put the right change in the till. And he knew that she had already flicked the switch in the fryers from the circle diagram to the one line diagram. And they both knew that in a few minutes' time they would unlock the front door together before flipping the plastic sign from the red side, reading closed, to the blue side, reading open. And that's from my first full-length poetry collection, Sikfan Glashkal, published by Verve Poetry Press. Thank you so much. I've been Sean Wakeyong. Our final poet is Rashika Wick, also published by Verve Poetry Press this week. So Rashika's debut collection, Afterlife as Trash, was published on Thursday, and Rashika has sent us in two poems. So we're going to start with The Time and Eagle, and then The Radio Anthropologist. So this is Rashika Wick with The Time and Eagle, followed by Radio Anthropologist. The Time and Eagle. I will not retell a myth. How a broken egg builds the strings of our arteries, quivering with pump sunset. I will not tell you of the event horizon of a cuckoo's morning call, oiled and perfect, spreading like a sheen on a pool. Nor a future tangled in the witch hedgerow, below sparks of plum, naked in the sun. Such talking has been swallowed and thrown up again and again by men. Instead, the sky riots. New writings appear in cracks of earth to hard-press the ear against. An ageing sun flits across the eye of a crow, furious as the day. The animals are laughing. Narcissus faints in amongst the ferns. They piss on him below the vertigo of dusk. Smell the rising sulphur. Watch life, how it starts and starts without fear. The night is quiet, a powdered bonbon of blue. The time, an eagle. You are wandering about the past life of the radio anthropologist as you are driving through a place and are suddenly hit with this intense and sad fondness for the names of cul-de-sacs and the persistence of an old hotel. The idea of the marina lights up your calves and biceps full of bright nylon cupping the wind. You realise that you long for this place every single day because you lived here when everything was all right. Things that are further away should be blue. This is learned at art school, and shading one side of a person's profile will lift it into solidity, which is what you are doing to this memory. You notice that there have been a multiplicity of points to diverge from, like the ultrastructure of a feather. You have no idea if any of those tiny paths would have preserved the time when everything was all right, no matter how many times per second the wing beat. 
The whole notion of when everything was all right is ridiculous, like a banana you have no appetite for, and is a terrible symbol. It is also like those magic eye pictures, where you can't see unless you force yourself to relax, and abruptly you are let into another world, which disappears again, but now you know of it, and find yourself staring at nothing for hours on end, in hope, which takes the form of a pink tulip, in a perfect red vase, the shape of an egg. You are feeling tired, and think about sitting at a bar, bathing in neon shining through constellations of bottles on shelves. You are remembering how swimming blurs memory, holds it at bay, afloat. If the sea were nearby, you'd rather bathe in the cold, day or night, in a heartbeat. But the sea is for rich people and whelks, only opening on occasional Sundays for you, like the dim sun palace under the bridge. In your garden, there are many bees, and they have deserved you tenfold. They make porcelain of the sky and drip honey into the cosmos through glass tubes. The hospitals are sighing from them, or maybe it is the other way round. It is a new time, the time of bees, and you are trying to forget when everything was all right. So they were my exclusive poetry recordings for this month, and that wraps up my section. Um, and just to say, all of those pamphlets and collections are available to purchase now. Um, it makes a huge difference if you purchase them directly from the publishers or the poets themselves. Please avoid the temptation of the big discounted next day delivery outlets. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, they're both available through Verve Poetry Press and Bad Betty Press and probably the poets themselves as well. So please go and check them out. Um, hope you've enjoyed my section. As always, uh, thank you for listening. I really enjoyed sharing poetry and highlighting things and roaring about what's going on in the poetry world right now. And I hope you also enjoy Selena's section and Amarosa's section. My name is Matt Abbott. Have a good day. Cheers. I want a Sunday kind of love. A love to last past Saturday night. And I'd like to know it's more than love at first sight And I want a Sunday kind of love Oh yeah, yeah. I want a, a, a love that's on the square Can't seem to find somebody Someone to care I'm on a lonely road that leads to nowhere. I need a Sunday kind of love. I do my Sunday. A certain kind of lover Who will show me the way And my arms need someone Someone to enfold To keep me warm
Abrams on Roaring Twenties Radio at Soho Radio. Uh, welcome to my section of what I think is going to be our last lockdown show, at least um, for two months, as we are going live next month. I've just heard, so that is really, really, really exciting. Um, I can't wait. Um, but back to the matter in hand. Here we are. Um, this month, I will be bringing you my roundup as galleries opened this week. Very excitingly, I managed to take a day to go round galleries in Mayfair yesterday and have a look at some shows. And I'm going to talk you through some of those and also what um, I Matt didn't manage to see because there's so much out there um, that's worth having a look at. I'm also going to be speaking to Catherine Hoog and Petra Josh um, of the Guggenheim Museum Bilbao as a touring show um, is arriving there opening 7th of May called the Roaring Twenties. I thought well we are the Roaring Twenties we need to talk to them about the Roaring Twenties exhibition so they'll be joining me for a quick chat about the show um, which is an art exhibition um, focused on this period of time. Um, I can't wait to hear the angle that they're going to take on that. Um, so very much looking forward to bringing you all of those things this time. Now um, we have uh, Before the War, which is a piece of music by Steve Reich, performed by the Cronus Quartet. Thank you. 
Crack chain from New York. 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 Crack chain from New York. New York. Crack chain from New York. Crack chain from New York. New York. Crack chain from New York. Crack chain from New York. New York. Crack chain from New York. Crack chain from New York. New York. Crack chain from New York. Thank you. 
listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Emma Rose and that was Steve Reich's Before the War. Now we're going to hear a song um, released in 2017 by Nabir Iqbal. The song's called Zone 1 to 6000 and it's from her album Weighing of the Heart.
like that was Nabir Iqbal. That song really um, reminds me of London life and what we're slowly opening up into, perhaps, hopefully, um, as um, we come out of lockdown. I was reading somewhere the other day that this is one of the longest and most stringent lockdowns in the world. Um, it's easy to forget that as we start to engage with the world again, but I think it's also prudent to be mindful of what is really quite a dramatic change. Anyway, um, now we're going to hear a bit of my conversation with the curators of a show called Roaring Twenties, which is um, just left Kunsthaus Zurich and is coming to Guggenheim Bilbao. Hello and welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio. Um, thanks for joining me today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Roaring Twenties, the exhibition which has come from Kunsthaus Zurich and is about to open in May at Guggenheim Bilbao. Um, when we came up with the concept for this show, we were trying to think about something that encapsulated the age and we couldn't think, we wanted it to be a bit of a play on words because of the political mood, because it's roaring as in fun, but it's also roaring as in there was, you know, going to a year and a half ago, there was already a lot of activism brewing pre-COVID and pre um all the different um, issues that arose over the course of last year. So um, when I saw the show, I was like, I, 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 you know, I'm a critic as well. I have to know more. And so I just wanted to ask you both, could you tell me a bit about the idea behind the show and how it came about? I think Catherine can, um, can talk about this better because she started the exhibition and she spent a lot of time on the concept. Okay. Yeah, so, the, uh, so thanks a lot for, for making this conversation possible. It's uh, a great honor for me and Petra to that we like connect uh, people and uh, I mean have the opportunity to connect people and so on and also different countries and places. So actually the the idea for this show um, had its uh, beginning, so to say, um, like around 2000, 2018 or so, where we, uh, the, the, the team of curators who were thinking that uh, it would be uh, interesting to to think about this new decade and that we will go in yeah. 2020s. And uh, at the same time, we are an institution that holds, uh, has big holdings of uh, historical uh, material, historical uh, artists, positions, and so on. And so we were interested to make a bridge between this uh, of 100 years. Uh, and I was uh, asked by the colleagues to focus on this. It was a little bit uh, clear that I would focus on this, uh, uh, take this job, so to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also because I'm a... I'm a Quite familiar with our hold. We have the big holdings of Dada and surrealist yes, artists. Yes, in Zurich, so, of course. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. So the, I mean, the Dada movement uh, experienced its spring in in 2016 in Zurich, and 
actually last last until mid of the 20s so my my first idea was really to think what happened with this dadaist people and artists that was so a little bit the core because i wanted to really work with our holdings first of all and then spread out who else i would like to consider and and i my my the drive of my thoughts was also what is still visible in our world today. I mean, what, what is still considered as contemporary of, of the heritage of the 20s. And there are a few notions that are important in the, or essential in the concept is uh, the role of, in society, some roles shifted, like women had a new form of visibility, uh, yes. I mean, had new rights and new uh, uh, political uh, sovereignty. Yes, and, and so this was one thing also, uh, I mean, on a, the level of fashion and also on, on clothes and also, I mean, this was a symptom of the changes in society were how people then dress. But just even like and trousers and, and dresses that allowed you to move and didn't require you to wear as much constrictive underwear. Exactly. So uh, it was clear for me that I wanted to look how this change, uh, this essential change that we are still, or hope, I mean, positive change. Oh yeah, but, but this I also want to say, it was really important for me, and I think Petra was uh, caught by this, uh, is that I was really, interested to give visibility to the visionary moments in this decade because of course you cannot consider everything and of course there are also problems in the decade of the 20s yeah. but i wanted to focus also how it was the first decade of polit uh, of democratization of societies you know i mean democracy democracy was not really a political a political normality mm. before the 20s so and uh, well so i said fashion or the generals and also architecture and design so that's uh and a, a, a third thing is of course music and yes. but music is a bit difficult to exhibit in a, in a visual <laughs> a space for visual art so i i tried to find artworks and artists visual artists working with music but not be too dependent of especially in corona times it's difficult with all yes. these uh, earphones and so mm -hmm. so and the, the mm -hmm. one very important notion also was uh, is in this, this project how people in general felt about their body okay. and what role the dance ex expressive dance modern dance what happened in this? Because these people like Greta Paluca or um, Valeska Gerhardt, um, Josephine Baker, of course, they really changed how we look at uh, bodies and how we feel in our own body. Yes, and there's this a wonderful kind of, I guess now we kind of, we take it for granted that uh, things about dancing, the fact that you dance on your own and you move in the way that you want to move and it's kind of people can be in a club and someone can be doing the jitterbug in one corner and someone can just be kind of throwing themselves around the room 
and nobody really kind of questions it. But as you say, that was that would have been incredibly radical at the time. And, you know, I mean, there were these kind of tea dances and dating things, weren't they, where you just, it was basically about touching someone for a bit and then taking a step back. It's really, really fascinating. Yeah. And um, And then, of course, the desires that come from that and how you act on them are so key to a lot of how we live our lives now I wanted to ask you a bit about how you structured the show as well because I was reading through the sections um that I have here and you start with moving on from the trauma of the war then you move on to new roles gender roles new models of society new ways of seeing which is very interesting because I guess it was a time of cultural exchange the beginning of cultural exchange the fashion work and leisure, new notions of the body, as you say, about dance, and then lust. Um, why did you put the show together like this? Why end on lust? End on what? Sorry. Lust. <clears throat> lust. Oh, lust. I'm lust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh. I think, oh, why? Okay, maybe we can start. Uh, Petra, Petra even went much further than that. I just want to give in one one uh, uh, thought about that is yeah. um, the the yeah the central experience of an exhibition is so much the drive of our own. <laughs> why we want to make uh, visitors, uh, yeah, I mean, especially now that we are so living remote and um, don't really have the possibility of collective experience and so on, and also, um, yeah, in a way, our, our <laughs> currently, our body is a little bit a problem for society. We have to be on distance with everybody and so on. So, um, we, uh, for me, it was personally even even though the, the show was conceived much before Corona, this was a possibility to to enlighten a little bit the whole pressure we are on now. And it's a little. It's not exactly the most euphoric <laughs> time, but um, it was important. Uh, uh, to me and Petra to bring in this this longing of experiencing lust and which these artists that you can admire at the end of the parkour so and for, uh, especially if this was the case in Zurich it's a little bit different or it's maybe similar but it's less strict in the parkour I think in Bilbao but Rashid Johnson has a very, who is actually an Afro-American artist, so much speaks on, one, on the one hand our contemporary language and addresses problems we have and, and visions and, and uh, how do you say, hopes we have nowadays. But he is really, he's so much, I mean, you can very much refer to the aesthetics of the 20s in his body language. So... Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. And Petra, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I absolutely agree with you. And there's something that people um, are not aware of, that uh, there were a lot of progresses in the 20s. 
and um, they got lost on the way, on the in the war and so on. And and after uh, the war, everybody who did something, they thought, ah, this is absolutely new. <laughs> For example, transsexuality. It it. It all existed, and and for example, also um, <clears throat> women, uh, they made uh, surgery, no, yeah, plastic surgery that you cannot imagine, and you think, why, you know, um, <clears throat> why that comes from the from the war, no, no, because um, the, <clears throat> the men came back and they were mutilated. So they had to, to find a way to to restore that. And the women saw that and they and they thought, oh, we can try too. <laughs> yeah. And it's um, but it's these ideas, I feel like that's such a, a thing of our time of this of the 2020s, is this myth busting of what's new and what's not, and a kind of lifting the lid on how the dramatic events of the last century created some real um, misconceptions about history. And then I think this, the, this, the 2020s is partly, there seems to be a lot of trying to rebuild these, the more radical modes of thought that were, that existed pre the First World War, Second World War. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's exact. So that, that, you know, I mean, it's, it's a coin, it's maybe you can say it's a coincidence, maybe not, that some of the, some of the, the values that we are reconsidering now, and in some cases, it's really disturbing, like, democratic values are reconsidering the fact of, of not only binary, binary sexuality, but, uh, you know, I mean, that there are, Gender is not something about men and women. It's about mm. uh, about many other things. Yeah. Also, the way, also the the notions, the, the question how we want to live and how we want to work. That this is our own decision and not something of a, a neoliberal only, or, or, or that we we have need to reflect on if it's if we want to be in a neoliberal logic or not. Uh, you know, like. The twenties are is the beginning of uh, uh, the the chain production and the mass production uh, mass production uh, goods yes. for consumer consumerism, and the, the, we think now very critical. Some people think very critical about that, but not everybody. There is always the the, the 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 positive and also the critical energy about that in societies. Yeah, and um, I don't speak only about. So, so the, the we of we I, I would say Petra and, and I focus on the visionary positive effects of that time. Okay. And by this, we want to make a little bit clear the message today. Hey, these are the things that we take for granted, as you say before, but we should also defend this. These yes. are really if, uh, values. Other people before us had to fight for, and we should not. It would be sad to lose them. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And just to end on, I wondered if either of you had a kind of a favorite or key work in the exhibition that you think really exemplifies this. 
Petra, please start. <laughs> I, I was thinking about another thing. I'm sorry. Um, the favorite, your favorite work. Yes. The favorite work. Ah, this is always the question. <laughs> I think it's impossible. Okay. To to answer that. Yeah, especially in especially in a group show, it's a little yes. bit unfair for the other <laughs> artists. Yeah, but, sorry, uh, but maybe uh, maybe as a yeah, you know, as there are some icons. I think the 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 image on the catalog cover of this clownesque dancer. Yes, she has not a top model uh, statue, and so. And she, but she brings with this tender and her charisma so much. It's so much opening our mind and look and having to enjoy how this person enjoys also herself. And this is for me charismatic. And she is not a, a for most of the people not so famous. So yeah. um, Valeska Gert is her name, and I think. Yes, yeah, this can she can be an icon for or, or um, how do you say um, uh, it stands for for many people at that time, so to say. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Thank you, and um, we will um, tweet out uh, that image with the show so everyone can see what um, you're referring to, describing for us there. Um, thank you both. Petra and Catherine so much for joining me today I really appreciate it I think in another time I would probably have come to Bilbao um <laughs> to see yes, the show or come to Zurich yeah so maybe at you some can point always come to Bilbao. <laughs> they'll let me out <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but maybe it's very you come from the UK yes yeah this is very difficult now yeah absolutely but you have time until September 19th, so... Yeah, hopefully then. It. Yes, exactly, until September.
dramatization of her life with Chadwick Boseman and the wonderful Viola Davies as Ma Rainey um, on Netflix in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom at the moment. Um, so coming on to the quickly address the art sections of the show as I am running out of time. The galleries are open. Very, very, very exciting. And there is so much good art to see for free in London at the moment. So um, I'm going to quickly run through some recommendations, but just, I mean, I was out there yesterday. How wonderful to just get out there and see some art. Um, an absolute pleasure. I went to see the Rachel Whiteread show at Gagosian in Mayfair. And there's also the Damien Hurst show. I think he has a year's residency at their King's Cross Gallery, which I'm going to check out this weekend. Uh, Sadie Coles is Ugo Rondinoni, who um, has made a wonderful, wonderful show. I particularly love the small sunsets um, upstairs at the Mayfair Gallery. It's really, really wonderful show um listen which i haven't got to yet listen in london there's two really fantastic exhibitions i think there is one um a show by john Confra, the unintended beauty of disaster and then um there is an infinity of traces uh group show curated by the wonderful echo eschen so, and everyone's just raving about those, saying how wonderful they are. I managed to see Idris Khan, The Season's Turn, yesterday at Victoria Miro in Islington. That was fantastic. And I interviewed him last year and was lucky enough to hear about him talk a little, about, little bit about this, the ideas, I think, behind this show and the the communing with nature that we all got to do last year obviously under the shadow of the pandemic but how that healing 
kind of experience that some of us had last year. Stephen Friedman. They have a group show called Threadbare, which is um, art with fabric. They've got a wonderful painting show, Louise Sabini, at um, their Mayfair Gallery. I think it's called Fire, that show. Really, really great exhibition, just uplifting, wonderful colours, just really, really fun. And then um, they've got a show, an installation kind of up the road from their gallery um, on Old Burlington Street and it's the London House of Modernity in Cavendish Square, so just behind John Lewis, um, which I didn't manage to get to but I'm going to have to check out very soon. Another show that I loved was the Charles Gaines show, Multiples of Nature, Trees and Faces at Hauser and Worth on Savile Row. That's a great show. Really, really fantastic. You kind of wonder how he does what he does. Um, but they're paintings, essentially, but they kind of sometimes even feel like holograms. They're really, really wonderful works. And that I really enjoyed. Um, and that's all I managed to do yesterday. I will be getting out again this weekend to just enjoy the fact that we can once again enjoy some art. Museums obviously open in May. So a little bit of a wait for that, but not too long now. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this um, episode of Roaring Twenties Radio. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show and remember to check out the Roaring Twenties at Guggenheim Bilbao. You can have a look at the Guggenheim Bilbao site and we'll tweet out more information about the show. And yes, looking forward to seeing you again next time. Talking to you again next time. Looking forward to talking to you again next time. Thanks. Hey up, it's me again. I've got a bonus poem for you. This is called On Finding Two Toilets in a Single Cubicle at Canary Wharf. It's by Niall O'Sullivan and it's from his brand new collection, Werewolf of London, which has just been published by Flipped Eye. This is Niall O'Sullivan. Hello. I'd like to read another poem from my collection, Werewolf of London, published by Flipped Eye, out right now. Um, this poem is called On Finding Two Toilets Within a Single Cubicle at Canary Wharf. It might be about capitalism. While most of the country is left without a pot to piss in, here I am, with two. Under a plated glass prick full of little prick humunculi, I too find abundance. I am internally ip-dipping as to which one I shall anoint in the same way that I hovered between labour and green on polling day. This was written back in like 2000 and a long time ago. Does this arrangement help bankers to high five and cross streams after another day of smashing it? Or is this designed for a tender moment between father and son? Look at me. I am old, but I'm happy. Perhaps this stands as the ultimate definition of trickle down economics. Oh, what art school anarchy it would be to piss on the tiles between if it weren't for the image of a stoical attendant with a curved spine and hourly quotas to fill. I poise above the ballot, allow the illusion of free will to take hold.
and veer to the left. Roaring Twenties Radio, the show for the 2020s. Roaring for art, culture, books, poetry and activism with Selena Gordon, Emma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. Find us every month on Soho Radio. You can find previous episodes as podcasts and social media links at anchor.fm forward slash roaring20sradio and the 20s is two zero. Hello, this is Selena, and this is my section of the show. I'm going to kick off my section with a new track by Anushka Shankar. She has teamed up with the gorgeous musician Elev Lenzd and the brilliant poet Nikita Gill to make a track called Sister Susanna, which is out now. During the pandemic, instances of domestic abuse have skyrocketed. One of the organisations who do incredible work helping victims of abuse is South Hall Black Sisters. Please consider donating. Women's shelters and organisations are desperately in need of funds, so any amount we can donate goes a long way. Sister Susanna highlights the ways in which victims of abuse and domestic abuse are verbally and physically broken down by their abusers. It's an incredible piece of work. Sit back and check out Anushka Shankar, Nikita Gill, Alev Lenz and Sister Susanna. wife is what I desire her to be. This will require work from you. I have made you this list to help you become the best version of yourself that you can be. There is more beyond this. One, you are earth and like the earth, It is your role to nurture and grow. Our relationship, our children, our home, these must be your first priority. At all times, at any cost. Two, I am the source from which you flourish. This is why you must create constant calm for me. An immaculate home. This is your domain. I expect order from my life 
and you must learn your place. everyone. Fragile, as flowers should be. Always. Sweet, fragile things do not get angry for any reason. Four, be tender. Understand my needs and satisfy me without my asking. I seek a wife who knows how to soothe me the way water soothes a parched throat who knows how to be a feast when I am hungry. Her bounty must be vast. Five, you must be sacred. What falls from your lips must be holy. Forever forgiveness, forever faith in me. If you see my flaws, turn away. Pretend you saw nothing at all. Six, you are mine. You must believe in me as you would believe in God. Unflinchingly, unfailingly. In turn, I will treat you like a goddess. Pure and perfect. Seven, know my limits. Remember to stay away from the edge. Even goddesses know better than to cross their gods. Eight, never make me feel inadequate. I am the maker of all that you love and rely on. You are a victory dance now. A sun and a moon and all the stars because I want you to be. The earth nourishes her children, and so must you. As their mother, you must always know what they need better than I do. 10. Stop burning so brightly. You are no forest fire. Forget the embers. Put aside your glowing voice. Learn to be the earth that you are. Dust the ashes out of your hair. Wear your skin softer. Be pretty. It is how I like you best. Eleven. Speak honestly, but not too honestly. Speak your truth, but not too loudly. Be yourself, but not so much that you stifle me. of my story. I have carved this beautiful seat next to me just for you. All you have to do is make yourself fit. Come now, love. Stroke my hair. Kiss me and put your arms around me. Peonies and daffodils, your precious flowers will tend. As they're falling leaf by leaf, don't you wish for some soil? But you have broken long ago that bowl of precious water. 
You have broken long ago that bow. That was Sister Susanna by Anushka Shankar, Alev Lenz, and words by the amazing poet Nikita Gill. I mean, it's just an incredible, I mean, incredible piece of work. Um, and right now, um, Anushka said, right now, after the tragic murder of a young woman in London, and on hearing the statistic that 97% of young women have experienced sexual harassment, women are again feeling a collective sense of anger, pain and loss. I hope the Sister Susanna can add in any way to the discussions that so deeply need to be had. Well said, Anushka, and I fully support that. If you go to Anushka's um, Twitter and Instagram, you can find out more about this project. Um, different actresses and, and activists and women are reading this poem and sharing it online. It's an incredible piece of work by Nikita, and I'm very proud to share it with you today and to be part of it. Okay, so the first book that I'm going to share with you today is by Terry White. I've really been um, enjoying, well, enjoying, moved is more the word, by her memoir, Coming Undone, which came out in paperback this week. Terry Wright is a writer, broadcaster and editor-in-chief of Empire magazine, for which she was named Entertainment Magazine Editor of the Year at the British Society of Magazine Editors. She previously edited some of the biggest publications in the UK and US. On the back of the book it says, To everyone else, Terry White appeared to be living the dream, living in New York City, with a top job editing a major magazine. In reality, she was struggling with the trauma of an abusive childhood and rapidly skidding towards a mental health crisis that would land her in a psychiatric ward. Coming Undone is Terry's story of her unravelling and her precarious journey back from a life in pieces. We're very lucky today to be able to share just a little snippet from this memoir's powerful and moving work. Here's Terry White. In my right hand is a transparent bag holding my clothes, basic toiletries and loose items of makeup. I step towards the automatic doors, which, sensing the movement, open with a whoosh. Curtains announcing the matinee performance. I move forwards one small step, a second, and I'm through them out on the street. I stand entirely still, close my eyes, breathe in, hold for two beats, and then open my eyes wide and allow the world outside in. Beep! Beep! A yellow cab speeds past, horn blaring at a weaving cyclist who narrowly misses bouncing off its front bumper. A woman in a beige woolen skirt suit with a thin pink trim, short rigid curls and a face worn tight bends down to scoop up her small white dog's neatly laid shit with a tinted plastic bag turned inside out and worn over her fingers and thumb. The bag might be scented, probably is, but I can't isolate and identify that smell over the other smells writhing on top of each other, vying for attention. The odours of an average New York City street on an average spring day. Garbage, coffee, noodles, piss, hot dogs, burnt sugar, beer, bagels. Sweet, bitter, soft, strong and sharp. The smells that become tastes when they travel up into your nose and down through your throat. The grey, uneven patchwork pavement shakes, sizzles and bakes beneath my feet. I look from left to right, down at the concrete and up at the sky, or what's visible of it between the towering buildings on this block. 
Wisps of white clouds scatter across an otherwise blemish-free blue sky. The sun blazes, burns bright. Tucked under my left arm are the flowers I was sent with love five days ago by one of the handful of people who know the truth about where I've been. I had insisted on carrying them out with me, hand tight around the base of the basket, even though the flowers, the yellow and white daisies that had brought sunshine into the green ward, died yesterday. Their heads are bowed and broken and brown, the soil flaky and cracked. I pull them closer. I flag a taxi with the hand holding the bag, my belongings held aloft and bared. I step down off the curb, open the door, climb in the back, and just like that, I slide back into my old life.
So you've heard from Terry White, her new memoir, Coming Undone, is out now on paperback with Canongate Gate Books. I followed that with a beautiful piece of music. It's not often we play um, compositions without words, but I am a big fan of this new album, Tides, which has just come out with by Monique Di Martina. It's a stunning new album of solo piano compositions from one of Australia's most accomplished and respected composers. Monique is more regularly heard in Melbourne clubs and in her New Orleans gangster jazz outfit, uh, Monique and the Doppermine. This album has echoes of Sati, Philip Glass, um, and it's an exquisite collection of piano miniatures. Um, but I, it just, I just thought it was so beautiful, I wanted to share it here on Roaring Twenties Radio. So look out for Monique Di Matina, and you will find her um, on Facebook, and we'll share a link on our Twitter too. Um, I remember meeting Monique a long time ago in Bali, and we kept in touch all these years, and it was so lovely to hear this beautiful new album. Um, congratulations for that one. Okay, so where are we going next? Where we're going next is to some familiar ground. We're going to go to a legend of the British poetry scene. Come on, let's have some Joel Taylor. Joel Taylor has a new book, Cuntoed and Other Poems. It's a story of female masculinity and the underground butch dyke scene of the late 80s to early 90s. The story begins as glass display cabinets begin appearing across London. Outside derelict gay bars and clubs, women's discos and bookshops, cruising grounds and cottages. Within each cabinet is something of queer life and lesbian culture that has been lost. Inside one of the cases is a bar called the Maryville. Fixed on one night in the late 80s, this poem, Angel, is the introduction to one of the four butch women who run the space. Angel. When Angel looks in the mirror, it looks away first. Star, fist, open jaw. How the shine becomes you, clean friend. Taller than yesterday, spine an unravelling plot you. Odd insistence, my king of the blue tattoo. Eyebrow pinned like a butterfly. When you walked in the room, it became you. How you brought the silence in with you, how you brought the night to its knees, back there where the quiet ones go, and now the night won't stop texting. How many times have we walked home, you and I, only to find home walking softly behind us? I have seen you leap over language to push a man back inside himself, throw pint glasses like seeds, speak to every woman as though she were your mother. I have seen your fists sob. At the centre of every butch is a bare room, and inside a swinging light bulb, a wire-thin girl dances, stays with you even when you look away. Angels don't fall from heaven, they leave at closing time. Unscrew their fox in the backs of black cabs, abandon their bodies beneath a girl, beneath a duvet, beneath the wet, dilated night. That was Joelle Taylor reading from her new book, Kanto, which will be published in June by Westbourne Press. 
um, Joelle Taylor's cantos celebrate the underground community throughout the 90s. Taylor writes into the silence surrounding masculine women and shows how personal narrative can become a political act. Part memoir and part conjecture, she explores sexuality and gender in poetry that is lyrical, expansive, epic and intimate. I'm so excited about this new collection, Joelle Taylor. Make sure you follow her on Instagram and Twitter. This week we saw the release of Rosa Rankin G's book Dreamland. This just came out just this week. It's evocative, haunting and possessed of a subtle, slow-burning menace. Dreamland is set in a near-future British seaside town where social division and rampant nationalism blight a blossoming friendship. Let's have a little listen to Rosa. Here's an exclusive recording she's just done especially for Roaring Twenties Radio. You never once are inside my house, did you? Even when you came to the door, I blocked you looking in. I stood on my tiptoes to make myself bigger and pushed you back out into the corridor. Not that the corridor was any better. I don't know exactly how long it's been since I last saw you, standing right here in my doorway, maybe a year and a bit, maybe longer, but it's hard to tell. However long it's been, it's been long enough for me to have forgotten the details of what you look like. Sometimes I know the edges, how your skin met your hair, but the most important parts, how your face made sense in the middle. I lost that one day. You said you would come back. You looked me in the eye and said that. Well, if you had, this is what you would have seen. Soft wood, black cracks, fridges in the road, the broken spines of old rides at Dreamland. Me and my mum, tangled silent on the sofa. I didn't tell her what happened at the beach. We didn't speak. At some point, she fell back asleep. And then it came, the knock on the door. Her eyes shot open, mine did too. Two heavy, dull beats, the gap between them slightly too long. That's not Davy, she said. She turned to me. It isn't Davy, is it? I shook my head. I felt my body freeze. After the knock, a sound that shouldn't have been possible. The sound of a key sliding into our lock. And there's Rosa Rankin G reading from Dreamland, which is out now. An entrancing, dark and devastating funhouse ride through a curtailed innocence and apocalyptic experience. A love letter to the waning magic and melancholy of British seaside towns. And that's right up my street and has gone straight onto my TBR pile. I have so many books here to share with you. I'm very excited um, that bookshops open this week. Please support your local small bookshops um, and help them to keep going they've had a rough time through lockdown with um, having to be closed Um, so here are some books get a pen here are some books that I recommend that you pre-order or you go and find in the shops that are out now so coming out this summer I start my list with Will Burns The Paper Lantern also here on my reading pile Violet Cooper Smith Build Your House Around My Body Coming in new from Dialogue Books, we've got Kit Fan, Diamond Hill. And coming in from Influx Press, Percival Everett's um, Damned If I Do. I've been enjoying Kai Miller, Things I Have Withheld. And I got a huge book, new book from um, David Keenan, Monument Maker. It's a massive fatty, that book. I'm looking forward to a very rainy day and getting stuck into that. Also interesting on my pile is Alex Renton, The Blood Legacy and Ruth Ozeki, The Book of Form and Emptiness. 
Here on Roaring Twenties Radio, if you want to see any of our books or any of our suggestions, do go to bookshop.org where you'll find my list and then you'll find some of our favourites. Lots so many books have been brought out in lockdown and um, so I just want to give a shout out to Nikesh Shukla, Nivan Govindan, Monique Roffey, Courtier Newland, Jenny Fagan, Nikita Gill, all these artists um, that have been making work and creating work and publishing books in lockdown. I salute you all. Solidarity with you all. Next up on the show, I'd like to introduce a piece from Leona Ross, who was born in England and grew up in Jamaica. Her first novel, All the Blood is Red, was longlisted for the Orange Prize, and her second novel, Orange Laughter, was chosen as a BBC Radio 4 Women's Hour watershed fiction favourite. Her short fiction has been widely anthologised. This One Sky Day is a woozily atmospheric magic realist novel peopled by a cast of quirky, unforgettable characters. This One Sky Day charts the troubled course of true love across an enchanted 24 hours. Mmm, really delicious um, recording Leona Ross has sent for us here. So let's have a little listen to This One Sky Day from Leona Ross. On the first anniversary of his wife's death, Xavier Redjews got up before light and went downstairs to salt the cod. He sat in his kitchen, green notebook in hand, rubbing his left thumb along the stained pages waiting for delivery. Through the restaurant window he could see the golden stalk of a fading moon. Around him the torn poem was silent, except for the morning wind, making the front doors shiver. It was going to be a trying day, of that he was sure. The local fisherman arrived promptly, his adolescent son trailing behind him, father genuflecting, son's eyes downcast and fixed on the backs of their silver-blue catch. It was this same boy who'd found Xavier's wife floating in the sea, limbs tentacled and carried her corpse onto the beach. He said Nia's dead voice sounded like rotting pineapple, sweet and grating as she tapped his chest. You can put me down now, boy, she said. It gone bad already. The fisherman's son watched her walk down the sand until he couldn't see her anymore. Why never hold her there, snapped Xavier. Call for me, something. I never know how, the boy whined. Take me two day to get him up here to tell you, Macinus, the father said. Damn fool, go hide in a bush. When people died alone, without proper burial rites, the carcass wandered for years, rudderless, rotting and shrinking. They had all seen these ghosts, rebuilding their bodies with bits of rubbish, hanging on half-maddened. People who died alone, heart attack, stroke, Old age, sleep and dream and dead, fall and lick your head on a rock. Poverty, murder, suicide, drowning. People whispered behind their hands, all of them dead are the same thing, you know. Loneliness. It hurt Xavier to think of his fierce wife so. Xavier paid for the fish, two thick bellies and a sack of velvety cod livers, and watched the youth's trembling mouth as he hoisted it onto the kitchen table. He didn't forgive the boy. How hard was it to restrain a dead woman when so much was at stake? Blessings, Messinas, said the fisherman. He patted the cod. What good today, you hear? Xavier nodded. 
He leaned against the kitchen door, listening to them make their way back through his cliff-top garden, imagining every plant they passed. His pearly bougainvillea, the night-blooming cereus climbing up the mango tree, his pawpaws and twin almond trees, his hot pepper pumpkins and white roses. He liked flowering plants between the herbs. They attracted the right kind of insect. Down the sheer steps they went, calling softly to each other, Mine, how you go? He liked the fisherman's voice. It reminded him of being young. Before you got so very speaky-spoky, Messinas, his brother Io liked to say, grinning all over his face. Xavier sucked his teeth. He wasn't too fancy, whatever his elder brother said. He still knew how to curse a man in the language of their ancestors. Xavier rubbed his palm heel across his jaw. His beard needed trimming. Cheatsy, Io's seven-year-old daughter, would be in here soon, demanding breakfast from him. She was an early riser, too. In the months just after Nia died, Cheatsy was the only person who dared come to his room without invitation, jumping into his hammock and swinging her legs. She told him he looked far too tall, and why didn't he do something about it? And when the room smelled, oh, so bad, she'd stretched her arm to open the window and turned his face towards the sunshine. You going out today, uncle? Not today, Cheatsy. She pulled his nose until he gave in and tossed her, giggling into the air. Don't drop me, Uncle Speaky Spokey. Xavier took a deep breath and stepped out into his yard. The dark garden poured out in front of him, and beyond that the islands of Poppy Show. The Torin poem was perfectly located on Battisant, right inside the capital, pretty town, but still private, on the cliff above the harbour. Up here he could see his diners snaking across the sand towards him, then away afterwards, a silvery line of nourished people stretching back to the sea like foam. After he fed them, some swam, some danced. And that's a beautiful excerpt read by Leona Ross from her new novel, One Sky Day, which is published by Faber this week. Make sure you go and find that in your local independent bookshops. Okay, I'm coming to the end of my section now, so I'm going to leave you with a track from Grace Savage. The electro-pop artist releases a new single, which is titled Ragdoll. Um, She used this song to propose to her partner. The lyrics were originally penned when Grace met her partner, now fiancé. It's a deeply personal song, examining her own inability to say I love you. Let's hear from Grace Savage, uh, Ragdoll, and then I'll hand over to Rose. I hope you've enjoyed this show, and mind how you go. Stay safe, and see you out there. Bye.
Oh no, we're coming to the end of another Roaring Twenties radio show. I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. Matt, where can people find the show if they want to hear this show again or if they want to catch up with other episodes? So it should be available wherever you usually get your podcasts. Uh, but if not, go to anchor.fm forward slash Roaring Twenties radio and the Twenties is 20S. And that's the same handle as well on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again for tuning in. What I'm really excited about is next time we will be doing this show face to face, which is incredibly exciting. I think it's 18 months nearly or something around that number since we last did that. And I cannot wait. I am dancing around my laptop as you're speaking. So the next Roaring Twenties radio show will be on May the 8th and it's going to be live in the studio face to face. We're going to bring that energy and I'm really looking forward to our first show as everything quietly, gently opens and as lockdown ends and as the sun shines and we're like a kaleidoscope of butterflies flying into Soho to all the beautiful pubs drinking all the beautiful pints. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Nice one. Thanks so much for tuning in. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, I am really excited to see you next month. And thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I've been Selena Godden, and I'm here with... Amma Rose. And Matt Abbott. And we'll see you again next month. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.